over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Good news with an out, excuse me, two hours to go with the dropping of the ball, welcoming in the new year. We'll continue with our live and local programming. It'll be me and Dominic to welcome you in and maybe a few surprises of a few drop-in guests. But this Animal Welfare Hour that you've been listening to every Sunday will now be syndicated nationally at the beginning of the new year. So, Nancy, our parent company, Red Apple Media, is making it available for stations around the nation so that people will be able to hear about animal issues from coast to coast. And that's really a tribute to you and all the information you bring to the airwaves along with our many callers. It's kind of hard to find people who don't like animals. You could be a hardcore Trumper, or a hardcore Biden supporter, or apolitical. But you talk about animals, and you seem to get everybody's attention. But the big story this past week, and our own owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, has inquired about it now on two occasions, is what has become of that dog out in Freeport, Long Island, that was apparently stabbed 17 times when it had been found, had been already stabbed 17 times, and miraculously was able to somehow survive that ordeal. I mean, it just pulls at your heart that a dog out there would have been stabbed by some monster or monsters 17 times. What is the update on that, Nancy? Well, so, okay, yeah, so this happened in uh, Freeport, Long Island, about a month ago. Uh, Someone had seen a two-year-old dog uh, who's been dubbed Cornell, uh, bloodied, walking around uh, the neighborhood, you know, wound up uh, being able to pick up the dog and then bring it to, like, a local uh, shelter. And unfortunately, you know, this dog had... You know, not, it's not clear what exactly had happened, but it had been stabbed 17 times. There's, there was no microchip, sort of no uh, indication of who was the owner of this dog. But uh, this is, the, given the nature of this attack, the district attorney got involved in this and has, uh, you know, called out to the public, um, you know, created a, an, a reward for anyone who has information leading to this. And, you know, trying to get some justice for really this horrific crime that happened now— this dog is currently in foster care. It did survive the surgeries that were done. And, you know, in spite of almost having, like, its, its lung completely pierced, uh, given the age, it's about two years old. So otherwise, this dog appears to be healthy, which was probably why it did pull through. But, you know, at this point, there is no direct information as to who did this. Um, you know, it's not clear as to whether this dog was being used as a bait dog but also given the nature of it, it's, it's pretty clear that it was an own dog. It's not a stray dog. So you know someone did this. So they're really reaching out to the public, try to get some help on this. Now, when you say bait dog, what do you mean? Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, there's a, a lot of people who, you know, they, they gamble. And one of the things they gamble on is dog fighting. So what happens is when people uh, have the dogs that they're going to be using for fighting – uh, in an attempt to make them more aggressive, they train them in these sort of ways of attack. And one of the things that they'll have them attack is what would be considered uh, a bait dog. This will be a dog that is, you know, either a weaker dog, a dog that's going to be muzzled somehow, a dog that's going to be restricted in movement, where all you're really trying to do is use it as some form of a prey to uh, train, you know, whatever dog you're you're using to fight. So, uh, you know, the bait dogs will be, you know, oftentimes kind of like uh, injured really to the point of, uh, you know, having to be euthanized if they, you know, aren't automatically just killed by virtue of this. So it's kind of thinking it's a possibility that this was a bait dog. Now, uh, see, another story has to do with the shelter system that you and I have been very critical about, not just here, but all over the country 
But now we see puppies, purebreds are amongst the growing list of adoptable animals that are filling U.S. shelters. Most of them are kill shelters, not no-kill shelters. Only in municipalities uh, that run shelters in L.A. and Austin now that they have no-kill shelters. We have kill shelters here in New York City. Most uh, run, government-run shelters are kill shelters. How did this happen, that puppies and purebreds are now filling up shelters across the nation? Yeah, so, uh, you know, so annually every year in the U.S., there's roughly four to six million uh, pets that are taken into the animal shelters. Now, this is a consistent increase. And, you know, to your point, the animals that, you know, most often people would probably associate with going into the shelters would be, you know, older animals, uh, you know, maybe animals that people can no longer care for if they had health issues like that. But uh, what's surprising is the the changing sort of demographics of what you're seeing in the shelters, which is really, uh, you know, combinations of puppies, you know, little dogs you, you wouldn't anticipate seeing, but also uh, a lot of the ones that would be considered like the uh, purebred dogs, so the ones that, uh, you know, tend to be uh, costly. And, you know, so now this is going into a little bit of a why is it that they're winding up in the shelters, these types of dogs, you know, obviously there's a market for those dogs. I mean, they're less likely, but... What's happening is, you know, same like anyone else who has dogs, there's less of a um, a desire to have dogs in general because of affordability. And the people who breed, now this is, you know, number one cause of why you have this overpopulation. You have a lot of breeders who are overbreeding, and when they don't have any ready market for the animals, I mean, they don't stop breeding them. They just will uh, have the excess animals be brought into the shelter. So, you're seeing things like uh, labr- labradoodles and, you know, like again, dogs you wouldn't expect to see. So, And then the other combination is the strays out there. So I, I think for, you know, the 2024, I mean, again, we, we there's a lot of reasons as to why these shelters get filled up. But you really need to go back to the basics and the logic. It's overpopulation. That's number one. You have to mandate that people spay and neuter. You also, I think, need to make legislation where you have to stop the breeding. That's it. You can't have the breeder dogs for sale anymore until you have, uh, you know, lack of, you know, population that's overriding the shelter system, which really is a lot of these dogs. You can't be creating dogs. So you have to quit the breeding. of. They're also usually the biggest abusers, you know, breeders, because they treat the animals horrifically. So you're going to also wipe out a lot of abuse. And then the stray population you have to have all of the municipalities going out there and aggressively spaying and neutering, uh, especially the homeless population, because they'll continue to breed, especially, you know, think about cats, things like that. They're not going to stop breeding. You have to go at the source. So, I mean, this is really, you know, some eye-opening things for every shelter to keep in mind going forward. And, uh, again, a lot of these shelters, people will come, they'll sacrifice their animal for any reason, for whatever the reason may be. Maybe they can't afford to care for the animal any longer. Maybe they themselves are impaired or ill or are going to be going for surgery or moving. Let me just advise everybody and also all these shelters. When you surrender your animal to the shelter, you're under the impression that, oh, you'll find a better home for them since I can't afford to take care of them or maybe I'm leaving and I can't take them with me or Maybe the new place I moved into won't permit an animal to be here. Don't be fooled. If they can't find a place uh, to foster out or to adopt your friend, your family member, your pet that you're surrendering to the shelter, they will euthanize. They will kill that animal. And they never tell you that. So you walk in, uh, you're understanding that they're going to do their best to try to place this uh, dog or cat or other animal. But know this, the clock is ticking from the time that that animal is checked into that shelter. And if they don't find them, if they can't foster them out, if they can't adopt them out, they kill them. It's that simple. They kill them. Yeah, I mean, and again, just in terms of people who, for whatever reason, they, you know, they're specifically looking for a certain breed of dog, you know, if the if you're thinking I can only get it uh, from you know certain people who breed these dogs, this is really where you know you know trying to educate people on that. It's better to look in these uh, shelters in these places because you would be surprised. A lot of these you know breeds of animals are available. There's rescues that cater specifically to breeds of 
of dogs. So, you know, better than trying to, you know, find some dog on the Internet, which is what a lot of these people do. You know, they're they're showcasing them. There's a lot of bait and switch and they're not really being cared for. You're better off just seeking out a lot of these, um, you know, nonprofit and these, you know, no kill shelters to try to save these dogs. Absolutely. Let's go to the phones. It's Janice in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Janice. Oh, hi, uh, Nancy and Curtis, and thank you so much for being here. And, Nancy, you do have such a lovely voice, and uh, I just wanted to, in addition, I wanted to wish you both a very blessed Happy New Year and also to all your Red Apple Meteor listeners um, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Katsimatidis and all your uh, broadcasters. But um, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of upset because I'm, I'm not having a very good end of the new year and the beginning of the new year. You know, I, I have those those three black, uh, the cats that my black cats that I've had that were born by the woods that I have told you about before, but I have an additional tabby cat. He's eight years old named Benny. And on Thursday I was preparing, fixing the turkey on the counter, like about four o'clock and there was a string wrapped around it. And I was trying to get it off and I got the string off the, the turkey and I just turned my, my, myself over to throw something out in the garbage, and Benny jumped up on the counter, and all of a sudden I saw like two inches of string hanging out his mouth. And I, I just went to go get it, but I didn't make it in time. And I went and took my finger to, to swipe his mouth to try to pull it out, and I just thought, I, I just felt like his tonsils, so I, I missed it. So I called my local emergency vet and whatnot, but they said to just watch out for if he's vomiting or if he's, um, you know, straining or if, you know, he's, you know, acting funny or he's not eating, but that night he did go in the litter box. He did uh, number two in the litter box, but he hasn't gone since. Now, what so, would you, what would you suggest, Nancy? Because you've, you've discussed this issue before about cats swallowing all kind of rubber bands. You told me don't, don't bring your rubber bands around any longer because if a cat ingests it, it could, it could be diabolical to them. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, again, right. So now, Obviously, there's there's the element of monitoring, but you know one of the things that um, you know the the vet in the past for me it's been helpful with, you know they can do things that will sort of like um, you know induce them to to go. So for instance, if it's the case that maybe now the cat's having trouble using the litter box, they can certainly do things that are gonna um, you know sort of help them express themselves so that this way you know, it can push through the system because it may be that there's a little bit of a blockage and the cat's trying to use it, but because there's a little bit of a strain, you know, it's possible the cat might be able to, but it's just hesitating because, oh, I'm in a little bit of pain. So that's where the vet really comes in handy because they can, you know, give your cat things that will sort of help uh, that process along. Now, having had cats that have swallowed different things in the past, I, I understand to some degree the wait-and-see approach, um, you know, but once the cat starts having any issue with where it's not using the litter box, and obviously you're so on top of that because you're keeping that in mind, you know, I've given my cat things before, um, you know, like almost like oils, you know, things that will really be very um, uh, like lubricating to the system where they even go through the mouth. And then the idea is it goes through the digestive tract. But I would, you know, certainly um, explain that by bringing them to the vet that element right there, I mean, they can give them things like enemas, which actually will help them as well. So, you know, but it, hopefully within the next, like, 24 hours, you see something in the litter box, you know, and then that, that could – hopefully that's the end of it. But, I, yeah, I mean, the vet is – you know, that's probably the next bet to go right there. Let's go to Sherry calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Sherry. Yes, Happy New Year. 
<clears throat> Sorry, I have COVID also. Um, I called a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't sure what was going on with my eight-year-old German Shepherd. I rescued from a local shelter. Um, I wound up bringing her to um, an emergency vet, and it turns out she has a torn ACL. The surgery would be between four to 5000 I don't have the money, so I started calling. Well, I made a GoFundMe for, her, for my Zoe, and I started calling different agencies there's, and organizations. There's nothing in Westchester. I live in Yonkers, Southwest. But what I was told, even from the Animal um, League and Humane Society, that if I can't afford the surgery, I should put her down. An ACL, a torn ACL, is very fixable. That really got me upset. I rescued her. She's a, a German shepherd. Beautiful. Um, she was fully trained, and I'm really beside myself. No, I, I as, you, believe, as, yeah. as, as you should be. Uh, look, we've seen dogs uh, with missing limbs, and they're able to continue to function. They put together like a, a facility for them to, to be on. It's almost like a harness, and they're able to continue. I've I've seen that on a regular basis. I can't understand why they would be wanting to euthanize the dog. I'll tell you what we'll do, Sherry. Uh, let's make sure we get Sherry's information. And, Nancy, if you could follow up with this, I can't believe that the only option with a torn ACL for a German Shepherd would be to euthanize the dog, to destroy the dog. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't imagine that. That's the only option as to why they're suggesting it. I, I, I can't tell now. Um, you know, I, I mean, the main thing you would think about is, is there elements of pain that, you know, even after this heals, is that what the expectation is, that this is such a high level of pain? Well, in that situation, I'm sure there's elements of pain medication or maybe things that can be, you know, even not even on a daily basis, but maybe on a periodic basis if that's what's going on. But, yeah, if that's ever the first course of action – I yeah I mean I'd be very hesitant when someone's saying that as uh, yeah I mean I would never want that to be told to me unless there was some extremely clear like oh there's no alternative there's no other option this is going to be a lifelong of pain if you're not hearing that stuff I can't imagine why they would tell you that Can you reach out to Sherry during the week and see if we can help her with that uh, situation Let's go to Denise calling from Long Island your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC Denise Yes. Hi, guys. First of all, I want to wish both of you a very, very happy new year and give a multitude of gratitude to both of you for all of the work that you do. Uh, and Nancy, I am so happy that you're getting more airtime. We need someone like you desperately. Thank you. Um, you know, the city, which you were talking about before, uh, I'm going to try to quickly so other people can get in. The city is never going to be back to where it used to be. I always used to be in the city. The city is going down the tube. It is down the tubes already. And it didn't happen overnight. Uh, so, I mean, we put too much faith in our elected officials, and we're suffering for it. But back to my phone call. For situations that prevail, I am the one that calls up every so often telling you that I rescued more than double the amount of your rescue cats, and also dogs, etc. I'm an animal lover since I was a little girl. But making a bad situation, animal control uh, has been a subject that has been long up for their um, misuse of handling animals. Nancy, you had mentioned something a while ago. I don't want to take up the time now. But going forward in 2024, with the availability of stores being abandoned, the availability of space where we could get some of these animals, an organized, put-together plan of action in order to showcase these animals. It would have to be a very organized um, situation with donations, volunteers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but I don't believe in giving up. I really don't. And certainly when you started Guardian Angels, you certainly didn't give up after all these years, Curtis. No, in fact, so, uh, and Denise, uh, let me inform you that as part of our mission in 2024, 
uh, we want to follow up on Nancy's idea of utilizing uh, the empty storefronts. In fact, Nancy, explain to everybody listening uh, exactly what your plan would encompass for unwanted dogs and cats. Well, I mean, again, I, I think it's uh, the biggest part is showcasing all of these animals that are available. So for purposes of the, the city shelters, there's only three locations. They're not uh, readily accessible to the public, uh, you know, and certainly the animals aren't, uh, you know, uh, forward facing. So, I mean, when you go to these locations, you really have to, you know, make make some time to get in there, to get an appointment, to get some, uh, you know, some FaceTime, as opposed to if you had them available where people can actually walk by, you know, imagine just a, a shelter system where you're seeing the, you know, the spots where the animals are and they're, they're you know, in the, the avenues, so people walking by every day. This way they're having some social interaction. You're not warehousing them away where they're not um, being seen. And also they have some element of sociability because, you know, now people are going to be seeing them. So they're, you know, again, there is that trauma with them being in this place. So now, you know, this is going to make people fall in love with them. Someone will be able to walk by and say, oh, I've seen that dog, that cat. I want to I see that dog or cat and adopt them. I mean, that's how people, you know, really fall in love with these animals in the first place. So, I mean, you have to be, I mean, that's where a lot of these adoptions events come in. They don't do a, enough of them, a lot of them. But every single day, I mean, instead of walking by to the train and looking at, you know, cardboard and, and brown paper on top of these closed locations, you can be seeing faces of animals and then, you know, starting to place them in your life. But is that old song, how much is that little doggy in the window that uh, at least my generation grew up with? And there are so many empty storefronts here in Manhattan. And uh, if the mayor ever follows up on his promise, which he never does, to close 2,000 illegal weed shops that are opened uh, in New York City in all five boroughs, there'll even be more empty space. So the reality is, let's use the empty space to showcase the dogs and cats and other animals, because I guarantee you people will be passing by every day. They'll say, hey, I'm going to be back here next week. Uh, I want to take a look at some of the dogs that are here, and I want to bring a dog home. I mean, the more you see them, the more you'll like them, the more you'll be engaged in them, the more you want to take them home. And then if it doesn't work out, let's just say it just doesn't work. You bring the dog or the cat back, not a problem. I mean, we make this so complicated, but you're so right. There was a little closet out in Staten Island. I had a, it, it was hard for me to find it. Is that back in a mall way in the South Shore? You, it's like a shoebox factory. I mean, it's so small. And then you have the one in East Harlem and the one in East New York and Brooklyn. It's a dangerous area. Most people are not going to go in there. You, you're doing everything to basically make it so that you're going to have to euthanize and kill these animals. Yeah, and, and during the time that they're there, uh, you know, by by keeping them in the, you know, the way that you do, they're not getting the proper socialization. So they've already come from likely some sort of a traumatic situation because they've been separated from the family that they grew up with. And now you're keeping them in a box in which they have like very little interaction with anyone. They don't even get to see the outside. So it's no wonder that it's hard for people to gauge their personality and really, you know, figure out how, hey, would this cat or this dog fit into my my home life? Because you can't really figure out who they are. Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Ah, we've been joined in-house by our owners and operators as they joined us last year for the New Year's Eve celebration. John and Margot Katsimatidis, uh, thanks for coming on by again. Well, this is the Dog and Cat Hour, and you know how much I love dogs and cats, Nancy, and I love them, and me and, and uh, Curtis, we always feed the pigeons. We don't feed the rats. You know, you notice that we don't yes. keep the rats. Yes, that's true. That's true. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing what you want to do to save more cats in our city and our country. 
Yeah. What are you going to do, Nancy? Oh, wow. The pressure's on now. All right. The pressure. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> the pressure's on. And 11 o'clock, we're going to bring Dominic Carter's here. We're yes. going to bring in the new year. All right. Yeah, but can you make me one pledge as Nancy mulls over I her answer? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United <laughs> States That always. But uh, I heard you with Anthony Weiner yesterday singing. Oh, we beat up each other. I understand, but you were singing. And I think I want to make a New Year's resolution here on behalf of all of our talk show hosts and hostesses. Having listened to Dominic do karaoke, Frank Morano sing, Rudy sing, Sid and Justin sing, you sing, John, with uh, Anthony Weiner. Save it for the shower stalls, please. Save it for you the mean shower stalls. I don't have a career in singing? No, uh, are you saying you that? You never Curtis? did. You never I, did. I thought I, I thought when I, you know, I was gonna be like uh, Tony Bennett. When I hit my eighties, then I start singing. Ha! Trust me. What do you think? <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, John. Uh, spare us of the you, singing. You, 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 Nancy, have you ever heard me sing? No, I okay. haven't. But I've so, heard. I mean, I've heard it. Curtis lovely. has made a decision on on, on my <laughs> singing career. <laughs> Margo, uh, would you agree with me that? Uh, I mean, what did I sing with Anthony? Hey, Sarah, Sarah. Oh boy. Whatever will be, will be. You gotta be. love him. Towards the end of the year, everybody is singing here. But now, John is asking. Good riddance you, to the year. Good riddance to twenty twenty three. The heck with it. Yeah. Horrible, horrible year. Oh, we only got what? An hour and a half left for 2023. Hour and a half left. But John has asked you the question, uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do to save the cats? I mean, you know, I don't give any money to the SPCA. You know why? They kill cats and dogs. And I thought that they should have a program where they should have a better program to, to save more cats and save more dogs. Yeah, I mean. I mean any estimate? Do, do we have any estimate? How many do they kill a year? You mean you're talking New York or across the country? Well, let's talk New York. We live here. Well, they'll they'll downplay what they kill, but there are thousands, thousands of dogs, cats, and other animals that they uh, euthanize and they destroy. Yeah. Wait, wait, you use the word euthanize. I just use the word kill. Yeah, kill, destroy. I mean, you know, I, I just, I, I really, really, you know, I remember when uh, me and my son, uh, were at the vets where my he brought in his dog to to, to help the dog, and he was the dog wasn't feeling well, and uh, they decided to put him to sleep, but they put him to sleep after they charged us twenty five thousand dollars to try to help him. Yes, and they, they always do that. First they try and Margot, her cat, and my daughter's cat, after they. Charge twenty five thousand to say, well, we'll try to help him. Then they make the decision. No, we got to put him to sleep. And but I remember sitting on the floor with my son, or sitting on the floor at at the animal center on sixty. Where is it? Sixty fourth Street or something? Yeah, over by the east side. And, and and crying our eyes out, crying our eyes out. And and then these ASPCA guys just kill those dogs. Kill those cats? Does anybody cry? Do they have anybody at the ASPCA that actually cries? No. No, because it's an assembly line. It's become an assembly line. So I would suggest so this what year, John. collecting all this money? For what? John, I think this year you can help us uh, with our animal welfare uh, program to get one of these empty storefronts where we can bring in volunteers and we can showcase the dogs and cats because you know what it's going to be like. People are going to be passing by. They're going to be looking at these dogs and cats. They're going to want to come in, inquire, are they available for adoption? Can I have that little doggie in the window? Can I have that little kitten in the window? See, the problem is, you know what they're going to get us? The licensing. You know, see, and Nancy got nervous. You're the lawyer. Nancy, you're a lawyer, right? Yeah, but, you know, again, I think. I mean, I that's think, where they're going to get us. I think this way you can start Li- making these emergency licensing, holding on to the cats in the store. Who's going to take care of them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we can work around that, John. We can work around We'll that. work well, around if we could get around that, you know, uh, you need a executive order from somebody. Yeah. I, I don't think you shouldn't apply in your name uh, uh, to New York City. Uh, That's right. The Adams administration <laughs> will uh, immediately <laughs> ignore it. 
But remember, this is a problem also for... Ignore it or tear it up? Uh, both. Okay. But there are people listening from all over the world now because it's dark out, John. And as you know, we're, by day, we're the number one uh, radio station in the nation. By night, the number one in the world. You can hear it in so many different ways with an app on the stream. But there are people... 173 fa- countries except Antarctica. No Antarctica yet. And uh, 50 states... And uh, I think we're also excluded uh, from some communist countries that will not allow us in. But one day, one day, I know you're working on that. You're working on that. Fidel is gone. Yes. In Cuba. In yeah, Cuba. Yeah, I don't, we don't know anybody. Can either. we let Nancy talk? Nancy, you're allowed to talk. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> but Don't uh, let me and Curtis take over. That's right. You'll never get in a word in edgewise. So, so are you ready to take on this project this year with uh, me and John sort of helping you along the way? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I think one of the biggest things you want to attack is um, spaying and neutering a lot of the outdoor cats because, uh, you know, they often get forgotten because the kitten mortality rate is like 75%. So all those ones that are needlessly yeah, but perishing I, I outdoors wrote, I, for that I reason. I read some very, very bad reports mm-hmm. on what happens to cats that are neutered. They must be, Why don't you do your study on that? They must be smear reports because everything good happens when you fix the cats. Everything, I, I the world know. becomes I, I lovely. Heard, I heard they go through a lot of pain. No, no, no. It's, it's more painful to have them unfixed because they're constantly looking for a mate. So it's it's a bad thing, and and the males will fight because it's territory, a territorial, and the females have to constantly be going through litter after litter, which is really bad for their body. So it's actually a win-win for everybody. What you may be referring to is declawing the cats, which yeah. was very common. Yes, 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 I that's hate, bad. That's I don't bad. want to declaw the cats. No, that they, they go through such pain, such torture, the cats, because it's basically like you're pulling their complete nail out. And they have to function the rest of their lives. And so when they're walking around, you can see they walk around in pain. I think pain. you're right. I think that's what I, that's what I had heard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Nancy's, that makes sense, yeah. Nancy's talked about that greatly. She's encouraged people who listen to the Animal Welfare Hour. There are other ways to get around the cat when they start scratching your items, you know, like your furniture or your bedding or whatever you have there. Just explain some of the ways, uh, Nancy, the people can uh, forego having to declaw a cat, which in many instances now states are banned well, it's, it's, because yeah, it's barbaric. Because basically it's a combination of two impulses. It's like the stretching, but it's also they're trying to shorten their nails. So if you give them anything that's an alternative, they'll do it. That's why the scratching posts work so well, you know, something that they can grab onto because they want to claim the ownership too. So they're not going to go around and claw everything if they have one thing that they can just keep on clawing. So... If for some reason they happen to, to get onto something that you didn't want them to get onto, then you just kind of part that and you say, that's going to be yours from now on, and then they move on to something else. But, I mean, really, they do go for the scratching post because they don't randomly just want to destroy things. It's it's really just to shorten their nails. And then, like a human being, I've seen you do this with the cats. You clip their nails, but safely. You you don't go all the way down to the cuticle. You 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 safely clip their nails. So that they can get around without getting caught on things. And more importantly, uh, it's not going to cause problems with any of the furniture or other items you have when they're, when they're gallivanting See, around I, I live in a normal house. I don't even live in a museum where I have to worry about them clawing me the furniture. I don't know. Marco, you, Marco, you don't you, ask me. <laughs> I'm asking you. No opinion? Yes, I love my cats. They, they do like to claw furniture. Yeah. And they like yeah, to pee everywhere. Yeah, but you're supposed to buy one of those clawing things for them. What do you do when a cat likes to pee everywhere? Uh, well, again, right, that's that's more of like, it's usually a, it's an ownership thing or it's an attitude thing. Like attitude, maybe, totally. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be that, you know, they're just trying to make a little bit of their presence known, but you'd be surprised. It's like... It's almost like children, bad behavior because they want attention from you. So How many want... cats do you have at home? We have like 10 now. You're down to 10? Yeah. Wow. Well, Nancy adopts them out once she rescues them from the shelter so they won't be killed. They actually, we at, at, at a point, we have to show Margot and John how they put out a kill list. Now, believe it or not, if Governor Hochul would have called down the animal care and control and said, I like that dog there. I, I, I want you to spare that dog. 
the governor does not have the ability like they would if if we had the death penalty. Imagine if we had pardon the dog. Cannot stay the execution once the dog or the cat is up for execution. Unless somebody comes to rescue that dog and cat, and Nancy's done that in the waning moments before they euthanize them, that's it. They're dead. They call it a kill list. And you say to yourself, as soon as people see them, they know they got to run to the shelter to rescue them. Nancy, how many cats did you save last year? It had to be, I mean, at least over a dozen from um, <clears throat> from the shelter itself, but we also rescued a lot from outside, like Kittens and, um, you know, like abandoned cats outside. So, But I'd say about a dozen from the kill list in the shelter. So imagine uh, you're taking in cats. Nancy will domesticate them, get them medically. you got to get them medically up to date. We don't even do that with the illegal aliens that we bring into the country. But you're not going to foster out a cat or adopt out a cat. Wait, wait, wait. That's the 11 o'clock hour. We're in the, yeah, exactly. we're in the dog and cat hour. Right, but just to give you an idea, you don't uh, adopt out a dog or a cat or another animal unless you take care of all their medical needs. And you have to socialize them. So you have to be able to get along with people. If they don't get along with people, let's say we adopted them, uh, a cat out to you and Margot. And the cat was hiding. And you said, what happened to the cat? Well, that's because we hadn't socialized the cat yet to get used to human beings. So there's a a big process that Nancy goes through before we can adopt or foster out any of the animals. Do you have any favorites that you'll never send out? Well, I I do have one, Mittens, which is one of my favorites. That one wouldn't go anywhere. Really? Yeah. Mittens very much looks like— Oh, I, I don't want to adopt out or foster out any of them. Once they're in the house, I want to keep them all. But it's right. That's very selfish of you not to adopt out and foster out to people who really would like to have a, a pet, a friend, a family member of their own. You know, the mittens looks like your ori- That's right. Your original My cat. My original cat on the, st- on the Red Apple store on 87th Street, 265 West 87th Street, right around the corner. From the Four Brothers restaurant. And you ass- <laughs> you assume it had how many progeny? At least anywhere from 135 to 150. 135 to 150 And we gave kids. them out to all the customers. And all those customers used to buy all their cat food from that Red Apple store on 87th Street. Now, what's the difference? Years ago, when you first got in the business, you'd walk into a supermarket, a grocery store, and there was always a, what I call a house cat. They call it now a bodega cat. Then all of a sudden, you saw that retailers, they wanted to have a cat, but now regulations make it so that you're taking a chance. The lawyers took over. The lawyers took over. So what happened? What exactly did they do, John? Because I'm sure when you first got into They said, oh, how can you have a cat in this in his house, uh, in his store. How can you have a cat in the basement? We're going to give you a violation. And we're going to throw the key away if we catch you again with the cat. So they would prefer that you have to go bring in an exterminator. They prefer that you have many, many mice than one cat. And I, I'm thinking, having worked in supermarkets myself, I remember all the pilferage, all the spoilage. When you would come down an aisle and you had seen that the mice had been at play, and then you got to throw all that food out, and then you put Curtis, it back. Curtis, you know, Ristides had no mice. We have those secret super cats. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they're invisible. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, take a quick break. We're going to come back um, and let's continue to discuss with John and Margot. The beginning of the new year because they were kind enough last year to come by when we were hosting uh, the exchange once the ball had dropped. They're doing it again. Dominic will be joining us uh, at 11 o'clock, his normal hours. He goes 11 and 1. Uh, I remember last year you had Rita Cosby with you at the time. I haven't heard from Rita. I don't know where Rita is. She probably just... uh, Chad is on a hot date. Yep. Uh, They're all enjoying themselves this New Year's, but... Remember, the one thing you learned last year, both Marco He's on a and, hot date with uh, Cindy. Yeah, what, uh, the, the one thing you learned last year was how many people out there depend on us. Blind people, lonely people, people without family, Are you people without friends. tonight? No. Oh, please. Please, John, don't, do me a solid. Don't say, save it for the shower store. The Curtis Lewa Show presents... 
Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Hmm. And we're back. This is the Animal Welfare Hour, and I want to personally thank on behalf of Nancy and myself, you, Margot, and John, uh, for allowing our parent company, Red Apple Media, to begin the syndication process in the beginning of the year so that the one hour— It's not worldwide, though. It's only national. Yes. Uh, But the syndication of the Animal Welfare Hour, one hour, to radio stations from coast to coast, because this is the kind of a a show— what, was it Joe Loda that wanted to kill cats in the subways? Yes. No. When you ran against... Joe. Joe is really a nice guy. Uh, I had no nice words for Joe Loda. By the way, he called the Port Authority cops mall cops. They did a great job stopping those Hamas nutnicks. By the way, tomorrow they want to close down JFK again. Watch how the Port Authority cops handle that. But uh, I'll be in in the morning. Good. Yeah, that's uh, right. What time are we coming in? Six o'clock. I'll oh, be well, here. Yeah, we, we got uh, Andrew at six o'clock. Andrew, me, and I'll you. I'll be here maybe at seven, seven thirty-eight. Uh, doesn't matter. Whenever you come in, it's your show. It's your station. You saved us. What a lot of people, and I, I have to reiterate that. Talk about cats. That's at eleven o'clock. Exactly, cats and dogs. But without John and Margot rescuing this station, Nancy, you remember what it was. Right before the lockdown and pandemic, we had that party announcing the formal uh, changeover from Cumulus, which wanted to get out of the radio business in New York City, to John and Margo. And March 1, 2020. Right before the lockdown. And wait, the world was coming to an end like a week later. We, we went, I understand one of those, that party we had, uh, where were we, in the basement someplace? Uh, it was right at the hotel, uh, the... Um, the old Mooney Hotel, which they built a, a restaurant in the basement. And one of those people that was sitting a couple of things for me died. Sitting right next, yeah, to, next Nancy. to me. This was What did you do to him? Nothing. This was one of the prosecutors who had worked with Rudy over the years and unfortunately came down with coronavirus at that time. And they didn't know what it was. No, they took him to Jacoby Hospital and unfortunately the next thing he had passed away. He had passed away. One friend of mine, they, they knew nothing about this virus. They knew nothing about how to treat it. And one friend of mine was telling me the story, a banker. Uh, there were 70 people in the, uh, in the ward, in the uh, uh, intensive care ward. 69 died. He lived. Yeah, no, it was uh, horrible. I remember. And uh, the worst thing that could be is for them to put you on a ventilator. Oof. I had an experience with a ventilator after I had gotten shot. They only had me uh, on it for about two days. But uh, if you don't have somebody watching you every second when you're on a ventilator. You need somebody in the hospital to be your uh, advocate. Margo, tell me about ventilators. You always told me that, uh, you know, to shoot you if they put you on a ventilator. Yeah, anything more than 48 hours because the body rejects the plastic in the body and it just, it's very hard to come out of it. So yeah, you were two they, days, they, right? Two days, but uh, there was somebody in intensive care with me every step of the way to monitor that machine. When we were overwhelmed with the number of people coming into ICU and ER, because remember, nobody really knew what coronavirus was. They immediately put people on ventilators. There was no supervision, and people were just dying. So it got to the point where people were coming in and saying, don't put me on a ventilator. Try anything else. Just don't put me on a ventilator. But that's also an update. Uh, John was very interested a while back when it was first reported across the nation that dogs were getting a virus uh, that was – they didn't have a cure for it. They didn't have any antibiotics for it. Dogs who are dying across the nation. Whatever became of that? Because remember, it was uh, heading in our direction. Well, I mean, it's, it's still continuing. They still don't have a specific diagnostic test for it. Um, you know, it's uh, something that clearly is affecting the dog's lungs, which can be mistaken for a common cold. Um, but it doesn't respond to any of the normal treatments. So antibiotics, so... You know, what normally someone might think, oh, let me just let them you know, pass for a while. They'll probably get over it. It could be the change of weather. You know, there's more of an inclination to have to bring them to 
the veterinarian because very quickly this can progress even into a fatality for the dog. So it's continuing to grow. It's continuing to happen. They're not 100% sure, but they're suggesting people with dogs keep the dogs away from each other because they're giving it to each other. I mean, and it's not clear if people are getting it, but at this point it seems like dogs are just giving it to other dogs. So no uh, antidote yet, no antibiotic, no remedy. Uh, just when you're walking your dogs out there, don't let them go sniffing around another dog because it could lead to that dog transferring this unknown virus Sounds to your like dog. they have their own coronavirus. Something like that. Correct. Exactly yeah. like that. Exactly. And, and and many have perished. Many dogs have died and there's no remedy. And so in very much the same way that we human beings were affected by that, dogs have been affected by it. We've seen cat birds. You've seen how they've had to slaughter millions of birds at times with forms of bird flu that they're not able to resolve. So you got to treat your family friend. I mean, there are many pets out there uh, whose uh, folks who, who, who manage their care, they'd rather be with them than their own family members, than their own extended friends and family members, because they are truly family members. And again... I just want to take this moment as a tribute to you, Margo, and uh, John. You cannot understand how important this thing of ours is, radio. Sometimes we take it for granted. But how many people I meet out there and who call me on the radio, whether it's overnights or during the day, who will tell you without that radio, they would be on their own and alone. No friends, no family, nobody to be with. They know your life, Margo. They know John's life. They know the lives of the different presenters here, the hosts and hostesses, the different personalities. And they look forward to listening to the radio as as opposed to watching TV where they fall asleep. You know, because let's face it. We're around all, you know, last night you kept me up to five in the morning. You kept me up to. And he won't let you go to sleep, Nancy. Does he let you go to sleep? Oh, I'm always listening at nighttime, too. Yeah. Yeah, you got to build it to a crescendo, and you got to keep warning people, don't go to sleep, homie. You're cheating. Well, you had new high ratings last night. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Well, remember, I had done so much radio during the week. It was just a natural extension. Did you, did you feel better? Did, did, tell me you rested when I gave you the, the, the afternoon off on Saturday, and I went. Well, out. to be perfectly honest with you, I was pissed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I said, well. What, what, what do you mean? Don't come in. We thought you worked so many hours that you needed. No, no, an hour I needed. Off. I needed the rest. I, I did. Especially, I was, saying, I was saying to people, Curtis has the afternoon off. He has the the big itch. The big itch. <laughs> big itch. Now look at look at everything behind know, you, Nancy. That uh, Margot has given to me. Nancy smeared me with the cortisone ten, which is having an impact. But I have look. I've had it's a lot. vitamin. Look, I had it. Yeah. You know what it is? What? Uh, if you take multiple vitamins and all of them have a B12 in them, you end up with an excess of B12. Look at Google it on uh, uh, the itch on your body. Uh, it's part of the cause could be could be uh, excess B12. In that's your why system. I sent it to you. I take I a lot of B12. Oh. Well, no. that's it. You're, he if, had you, it if you give it a really rest bad. a little bit, the itch will go away. Yeah. Wow. In about because a week. I, I've been going. And I'm not a doctor. You know, yeah. I'm an honorary uh, whatever, but an no, honorary no. lawyer, but he an honorary doctor. Too much B12. It's driven me nuts. Yeah. Yes, I had it. I oh. had it on my back. And, and you, you, you have to scratch in places you reach, can't reach. And I couldn't <laughs> reach with my back. Nancy said, bought I me. Said, a, Marco, you gotta scratch my back. Right. Nancy bought me a back scratcher. Yeah. Because you gotta reach, and yeah. you go. It, it drives you yeah. out of your mind. But thank you, Margo, for yeah. the cortisone ten. Well, and the other products that I'm going to be using. Whatever works. But that may be it because and I consume skin. a reduce, lot of reduce, reduce the B12. I, I consume yeah. a lot of B12. Try as an experiment. And because B goes right through my system. So I need the B. I need the iron because of my past problems. Yeah. So I guess I, I, I got to go cold turkey on the vitamin B12. Yeah, just for a couple of days, maybe six, four or five days. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Katsimatidis. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Margot Katzmatidis to the rescue. I'm my honorary degree. Uh-huh. 
Well, let's take another quick break here, the Animal Welfare Hour. Again, good news as we approach 2024. Our parent company, Red Apple Media, will be syndicating. Worldwide. (laughs) You're going to be able to hear about animals all over the world on a regular basis and what to do about your friends and family members. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. And this is where radio is king. Both John and Margot Katsimatidis have revived the most uh, famous uh, call letters that have ever been created in radio, WABC. Just down the block from us is the old Wardorf Astoria was recently bought by the Chinese. They're rehabbing it now. And when radio was king, when there was no TV, every year everybody would have their radios tuned in to uh, Guy Lombardo, the Royal Canadian uh, Band, and they play Old Lang Syne. And that's how New Year's was welcomed in because nobody got a chance to watch the ball dropping unless if you happen to be in Times Square. And ironic that even though this is an event that everybody looks forward to, almost nobody from New York City is in Times Square unless they're working there or they're assigned there. It's all for out-of-towners. Have we gotten any reports if there's any uh, Palestinians? Yeah, no, no. They've uh, Nancy and I were watching them uh, on the uh, stream. They started at 59th Columbus Circle. They went past Trump Tower. There were a, a whole bunch of people there supportive of Donald Trump. Uh, they were squaring off with one another. No violence. The uh, uh, Hamas supporters moved on. They were heading in the direction of uh, Times Square. But uh, Andrew Giuliani, when he came to do the show earlier, he went through Times Square. It's all lockdown. Uh, you're, you're not getting in there. I mean, there's barricade after barricade after barricade. And, John, once you're in there... If you're lined up at 7, you don't get to leave. If you leave, you can't come back. That's why these out-of-towners are nuts. They're wearing Depends. <laughs> I mean, imagine you come all the way to New York City and you're wearing Depends because you you line up from 6 to 7. You, you want to be as close as possible. People are blowing horns in your face, screaming, yelling. You're stuck there for maybe six, seven hours. And you can't use the lavatory. You gotta wear a pair of Depends. Not here at WABC, Nancy. Uh, again, great animal welfare segment. Nancy, this is your hour. You gotta tell you know, before we sign off. You well, gotta tell us something. It's it's been a wonderful hour and a great a great year, and I'm looking forward to 2024 and all the that it has to offer. And saving more animals. We got one hour left till 2024. Yeah, Dominic's going to take over. I'll be a sidekick. Margot Katsimatidis, John Katsimatidis, as we welcome in the new year. And for all of you, again, I can't say it enough. You have a friend of your own here at WABC. We are your family, your extended family. So don't, don't be depressed. Up. Right. Don't be depressed. You can uh, celebrate the new year with us here at WABC.